This is Sunday Edition with Anthony, a news magazine show featuring human interest, in the spotlight, movers and shakers, and the news and happening that affect all of us in and out of the ACB community. Good morning, good morning, good afternoon, depending on where you're listening. This is Sunday edition, and thank you for joining me again. I am your host, Anthony Corona, and we have a dynamic show for you today. In Movers and Shakers, I have Katie Frederick and Sarah Conrad. Later on in the show, in the spotlight, I'll be talking to Debbie Grubb. And then at the end of the show, during Happenings, we'll be talking to Lisa Kretschner, of Florida Council of the Blind, as well as some great products that she's gonna highlight. I am billing this show as Girl Power of ACB because that's what we're gonna be talking about today. Quick note before we begin, pre-registration opens up for convention this year. So guys, take a look at some of the great offerings. Every single affiliate has worked their butts off to turn their live programming into virtual. And as you guys know, if you listened to the show last week, Florida Council of the Blind was the first step on the path to the future. Their convention was pretty darn awesome. So we have amazing, amazing hopes for convention this year. Start checking out the registration page and sign up for some awesome and amazing programming. And here we go with me today. I have Katie Frederick and Sarah Conrad. They are board members at large for ACB. They are dynamic ladies. Katie used to work for ACB. And we're going to talk about girl power in ACB. Hey, ladies. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having us on your show, Anthony. It's great to be here. Well, thank you so much. I think I'm going to ask you guys to introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about your journey into ACB. Katie, you want to go first? Sure. So I have been involved with ACB since the early 2000s. I attended my first national convention in Birmingham, Alabama in the 2003-2004 timeframe. And that was really an amazing experience for me. I attended as an Ohio representative. So my state affiliate, Ohio at the time, was ha had a contest where you could write an essay about why you wanted to become more involved with ACB or what you wanted to learn from the convention. And I could, could attend the national convention and then in the fall, I would go to my state's convention and kind of report out to people about my experience. So it was a really neat way to connect me to the national level, but also then encourage me to get more involved at the, at the state level and the local level as well during my college time. So I went to the, the national convention and met many great people that I'm still friends with today through ACB and um you know got involved with with students and then and then when i re returned from the convention began to get more involved with my with my state affiliate and a local chapter and have really just moved on and up from there and held uh, various 
positions on my state board and worked as the executive director for the Ohio affiliate of ACB, which was an honor. And then in um, 2014, I went to the convention and discovered that there was an open board position on the national level. And I thought, well, that would be, that'd be really neat to, to serve in, in that role. And so I put my name forward and the rest, as they say, is, is history. So I'm now in my, my second term. So. Very nice. Uh, yes. It's great. Sarah, introduce yourself. Tell us a little about your journey. Yes, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Uh, so I uh, started getting involved in ACB back in 2009. Um, I had just graduated from high school um, and I was applying for college scholarships. I was never really a part of any blindness organizations. Um, I think my parents took me to a few um, blindness related you know, conferences as a really young kid, but um, my my blindness is from cancer. And so really the, the majority of my childhood was focused on health. And so um, as I was um, applying for uh, scholarships for college, I came across ACB and I was offered a scholarship and headed to Orlando, Florida um, was my first convention in 2009. I met incredible people, like Katie said, um, people I'm still friends with today, um, just incredible connections. I jumped right into ACB students um, right at that convention in Orlando. They were looking for a secretary, and I said, well, I can, I can write minutes. So uh, I, I jumped right into that position uh, and never stopped from there. I, I became president of ACB students the following year, um, spent three years in that role uh, in, in 2012. Uh, was elected to the board of directors for ACB on the national level. Uh, I am actually finishing my second term uh, this this July, uh, but I'll be hanging around for one more year. They can't get rid of me too fast uh, because <laughs> of you know the lack of elections this year. So I'm, I'm really honored to help continue with this weird time, this transition time, and, and what I think is. Um, an incredible time for opportunity. Um, I also got involved with the Council of Citizens of Low Vision uh, International, uh, CCLVI, which is an affiliate of ACB, a special interest affiliate. I was elected to their board um, when I was one of their scholarship winners during law school. Uh, I want to say that was, if I do the math right, 2016. Um, and then in 2018, I was elected president of CCLVI. So I currently serve as president there as well. Um, I was very involved in the Michigan affiliate during my undergrad and just, mm -hmm. I love the connectivity in ECB and so many opportunities to lead and to follow amazing leaders. Nice, very nice. Well, ladies, I wanna get personal with you a little bit, but before I do, I think it would, it would be a good place to start telling the listeners, what exactly does a board member do? That's a great question. It um, is. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, it's you know I think really um, it's it's a it's a responsibility, right? It certainly is something that um, you know we we are responsible for helping lead the organization. I mean, yes, we have amazing office staff under the leadership of, of Eric Bridges, but. Essentially, you know, the the board of ACB, as with other nonprofit organizations, when you have 
the kind of board structure that that we do, um, we we have to make some big decisions about ACB, and some of them aren't always easy. Um, you know, for example, we had the the board meeting a couple of months ago regarding the convention, and that was a very difficult time for us as leaders. And we we have to face that. You know, we we have to face those challenges and make those decisions that that help you know help keep ACB able to do the the great awesome work that it's doing. And so, um, you know, we we have decisions. We during our meetings we hear from you know staff reports and. And board reports and things, um, but but essentially, it's really, it's really all about you know helping to carry out the the work that ACB is doing. In a in a nutshell. Yeah, and I would just is, add is what to I that. Would say. Sorry. Yeah, I would just add to that. Um, I agree with everything Katie said. Um, I also think it's just very collaborative. You know, the board mm -hmm. makes a lot of those decisions, but it's our job to um, investigate things, be informed. Um, and to reach out to different stakeholders. Um, that's, that's me with my policy hat on. But I think, um, you know, it's, it's our job to really know everything that's going on. And, and, and we, don't, we don't know everything about everything, but we, we get information and we seek out mm -hmm. information. Um, and we just kind of connect those pieces. And, and I also think that we as a board then empower leaders that are, you know, in, in states and special interest affiliates, you know, it's really our job mm -hmm. to help them be successful, um, both as individual affiliates, but also as the parent organization. And so um, just that, that connection, that collaboration. Um, and I know for me, I've been so impressed by the a variety of experiences on our board. Part of that is age, but a lot of that is just experience, different life experiences, different careers. And so we're, you know, bringing together all of our strengths um, to work as a group. I think our, our the ACB board works well together um, and, and really yeah. makes decisions as a team and, and keeps the focus on what is best for the organization as a whole not maybe what's mm -hmm. the happiest or best for us as individuals but it's our job to um, just promote ACB as, as the best advocacy organization in the blindness community. Uh, I definitely have to agree with you there. Um, you know what actually <laughs> you guys brought up you, you brought up having to make the decision about convention and of course we had Sheila Young FCB president last week on the show and and she basically said if one person walked away from an in-person convention sick, that she'd never be able to, you know, to live with that. And so that yeah, was the deciding that, factor for, for her and, and their board. And, Can you give us a little mm -hmm. insight into the process of, of how you guys made the decision to go virtual? And, and was it a long process? How did it go? <laughs> sure. Um, I was on the, the convention. Um, I forget which convention committee there are a lot of acb committees and and i was on um one of you know we we met um kind of as an executive committee um prior to the to the to the public board meeting and, and discussed you know things um but really i think a lot of us knew that it was you know we were going to have to have this this discussion um so you know we met um and then, you know, I know that, um, you know, there was some, a lot of conversation um, around, you know, I know people thought it might've been done, you know, kind of, 
kind of early, but there's a lot to consider about the convention. Mm -hmm. It's not just the people. I mean, it, it is, of course, the people, but it's it's the hotel and it's it's contracts and it's um, mm -hmm. it's tours and it's it's mm -hmm. contracts related to tours. And so, um, but but I, you know, personally, and I said this publicly, I am the same. If if one person would have gotten sick, mm -hmm. I, I couldn't have lived with that, right? And so. Um, but I think, you know, we, we had some, some meetings, um, you know, some small groups and then, you know, took it to the board and, and had mm -hmm. the public board meeting, um, at the end of March. And, and I think a lot of, you know, a lot of listeners really tuned into that. And so, so thank you, you know, for being so engaged yes. and involved with that. Um, but we had, um, you know, we, we had time to talk and, and discuss, but really, um, at the end of the day, you know, again, we, um, we had to do what was best for, for ACB. And, mm -hmm. um, it's, uh, it wasn't easy. It's, it's, it's a huge, um, huge change and a huge um, project, but it's, it's also going to provide us with a lot of unique opportunities. So it'll be, uh, it'll be exciting, yeah. I think. Yeah. I think just to add to that, you know, every board member had a chance to specifically, mm -hmm. you know, give an opinion about, um, about this issue on the on the March call, yes. and there was I, I, every single person said something like, "I don't like this because I love to see all these people, but this is what's right, mm -hmm. right?" Yeah. And it was it it was not a focus about us as individuals or even you know certain affiliates or certain groups, right? It was it was about this is what's best for people, and I would say too that. Um, we, we do have a unique population in our organization. You know, we have a lot of people who have pre-existing medical conditions. Mm -hmm. um, we have a lot of people who are, are older or have other risks because of all kinds of things, things we know about and things that maybe are underlying that we don't know about. And, you know, we as people who are blind and visually impaired, we see the world through touch. And right now it's yep. not very safe to touch things, you know, and no. so, um, no. it just isn't even, even feeling, you know, railings or feeling signs, right? Elevators or elevators. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and we also have, you know, the deafblind <clears throat> community, if we wear masks, they might not be able mm -hmm. to communicate. They would communicate even less for, for uh, for some people anyway. And so mm -hmm. I do think, I mean, there's lots of conferences that are canceling with, with people who have full vision and, and maybe yes. fewer medical conditions. But I think we were all very concerned, deeply concerned about our population. And again, yeah, if one person gets sick or even if they, they are a carrier and spread it to a family mm -hmm. member who gets sick, I mean, right. it's just not worth the risk as much as we love everyone. We want to be able to see everyone there next year when we can be in person we would hate to lose someone um because of because of meeting together yeah well i'm billing today's show as girl power of acb and and some people don't really like the term girl power i personally <laughs> think it encompasses anything you don't even have to be female to be part of girl power but are you guys okay with that term oh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right then let's jump right into it. Um, you know, I'm I'm new to ACB. I'm coming up on a year anniversary. I actually became an ACB an ACB member in Rochester. Oh, <laughs> and I'm not gonna cool. bore everybody with my story yet again. But um, you know, one of the first things I noticed about the organization was how inclusive and how um friendly and come as you are the organization is mm -hmm. compared to some other organizations that are out there. Um so, you know, you guys are, you ladies 
are young, dynamic, full of energy on the board. Tell us a little bit about what it feels like to be part of that younger set, making you know making decisions and and learning from learning from some of the ACB members that have been there for for a long time. Sarah, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, I know we're we're all pausing. Who's going to talk first? Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I will say we don't always have lots of energy, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah and I are old souls. <laughs> I say that while I drink another cup of coffee. But anyway, um, you know, it, it's a really unique opportunity. I think there are a lot of opinions about people who are young these days. Generations are are all different. Individuals are all different. But, but people get grouped into sort of generational um, characteristics. And I think there's there's overall some concern about younger people, um, a little bit in in my generation, but even younger too, um, maybe not being as um, excited to join an advocacy organization, maybe not having as strong of follow through, all kinds of things. I think for me, as someone who's younger, it's um, not only sort of changing that perspective to see I, I'm someone who follows through, I'm on calls, I'm on time, I am deeply interested in this, I'm, I'm interested in having mentors who are older than me and mentoring people, even mentoring people who are older than me, right, different experiences. Um, but I also think it's helpful to have the younger narrative to say, okay, so this, you know, this group of maybe younger people, they're not as excited as we want them to be, maybe we should change our perspective. Maybe we shouldn't say that they are wrong. Maybe our approach is not what is most effective, right? Um, and it's, it's certainly not an out with the old all the time, but it's how can we move and grow and adapt as an organization to meet the wide variety of needs. We are going to have people involved in ACB who are, you know, maybe young kids and their parents are getting involved in ACB to get information all the way up to people in their 90s and above, right? Where we have such a large group of people with so many differences. And I think having the younger voice is, is crucial um, to help make that connected and help make sure that we are serving a wide variety of people. I will say for me personally, that mentoring relationship is crucial. Um, I have mentors, um, I won't embarrass them by naming them necessarily, but I have mentors <laughs> who are um, more than twice my age in ACB. Um, and I think they would say that I in a way mentor them too. You know, it's, it, it's that relationship. Uh, it's, it's, mm -hmm very important to have those connections. Absolutely. If we stop learning from each other, then we're taking those first steps towards heaven, let's say. Mm -hmm. I think we learn something every day and we need to keep. Katie, do you feel the same way? Anything you would add to that? Um, I do. I just, I think it's, it's important to, you know, um, sometimes if we have those those opinions that are different, um, really hearing what others have to say, mm -hmm. and you know, learning from their experiences, because I think oftentimes, you know, we uh, and we all do this, right? Regardless of, of of whether it's ACB or our parents or you know whatever, um, we think we know what's what's best. And sometimes um, I've I've learned to to kind of step back and say, well, you know, 
I don't, I may not understand where you're coming from right now, but let's, let's have a talk about it. Let's, let's discuss it. Let's see if we can come to an understanding because maybe there's something I'm missing or, you know, maybe there's something that, that I can learn from you to, to better myself. And so I, I do think that, you know, again, the, the relationships are, are key and, you know, we've had, you know, thanks to those who have come before us, you know, Sarah and I have had some great uh, male and female leaders and role models from which to learn. And so, um, you know, we are, you know, blessed and able to take that with us. Um, you know, so much of what I've learned from, from being involved in ACB carries over to, to work and, and other things. And so it's, it's really been a great honor to, to learn and grow with, with my colleagues who are of, of various ages and backgrounds. Yes. Thank you. Your paths are, are similar and yet different. What do, you, what do you say to the younger set out there who's listening right now who want to be more involved or who, more importantly, who may be saying, eh, you know, I'll go to a couple of meetings or if I have a question, I'll call and ask, but I'm not really an organization kind of person. I would definitely say give it a try. Um, you, you don't know um, necessarily, you might not even know what you need or what you want until you experience um, ACB, an affiliate, those connections convention. Um, for me, ACB is a family. It's a place to belong. Mm -hmm. And um, I think people with disabilities certainly feel more isolated at times than other people. Not everyone, but a lot of us. Um, and we might not even recognize that isolation until um, uh, until we have that kind of healed and, and um, fixed in some situations. And I think, you know, meshing with people who have similar life experiences or at least just similar challenges to you, that, that is just incredibly powerful. And I think, um, yeah, sure. I think that um, the, uh, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Um, so I think if a person is, you know, wanting to get more involved or thinking about it, I would say, um, you know, again, give it a try, but also, you know, don't, don't be discouraged. Um, if you, if you go to maybe a local chapter meeting or a state affiliate and you think, gosh, there's, you know, there's no one like me. I think, again, if, if you listen and learn, uh, I think you can learn a lot through listening. And so, you know, even though most of the people in the room, it, you know, if they're, if they're of a different age, I think, again, you know, you might, you might find more in common than you, than you realize. And so, um, but also, you know, I mean, I think, I think one of the neat things about ACB is like maybe, maybe advocacy, although it is vital to our, our existence, you know, we, we do need to advocate for what we need and what we want as people who have a disability, but you know, if advocacy isn't really your strength, um, there are many areas where you can get involved. You know, maybe mm -hmm. you're good at, at audio editing or something, and maybe you'd like to help out on ACB radio, for example. Um, but there mm -hmm. are just a really a <laughs> little plug there. Um, but, but, you know, maybe there, maybe there are other areas where you might find your, your talents and strengths will, will fit within ACB. It's, you know, advocacy is, is of course, um, a lot of what we do, but it's not all we do. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I would just encourage you to, you know, if you thought about getting involved, um, you know, maybe look, look at the, at the website, um, talk to, you know, to, to me or, or to Sarah, board members, you know, we can help connect you um, if, if you 
maybe aren't sure how to start or, or how to take that first step, I mean, we'd, we'd love to have you be a part of ACB. Very nice. What are your pet committees, issues, affiliates? Um, so I help out with a lot of the of ACB's communication efforts. So I help with the Public Awareness Steering Committee. Um, and I also help with, um, you know, I'm part of several state affiliates in terms of we have a um, liaison program that um, we as board members help other affiliates kind of, um, you know, figure out what's going on or help if they have issues that they need addressed from a national perspective. Um, so I, I'm also a proud member of the of the ACB Walk Committee, the, the Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk. And by the way, you can uh, sign up for that as well on the ACB website. So um, if, if you, you know, want to sign up for a team, that's available. Um, and they're just, you know, again, the, the committees um, is really where a lot of the, the work happens in, in ACB. And so um, there are, you know, great ways to get involved and, and things are happening and, and changing all the time. So they keep me pretty busy between, um, which I love. So, uh, yeah, I... I don't even know if I could list off all of the. Like, yeah, that's why I didn't try. <laughs> I don't think I can. probably forget something. <laughs> I think I'll just give you know the highlights where I'm probably most active. Um, I mean, certainly, um, yeah, within CCLBI, I, I do a lot. Um, you know, as president, but um, in terms of the national level, I'm on the employment committee. Um, we're having some community calls. I've been kind of helping host those new calls. Um, I am also on the National Scholarship Committee, um, which is which is a great opportunity to kind of give back to that program since that's how I got involved in ACV. Yeah, I, I have so many little groups. One of my, my newest things that I'm really excited about is that I'm leading um, ACV's Cancer Support Group. Um, it's a community call that happens every other Thursday where we'll actually have one this, this coming Thursday. Um, and uh, it, it's just great. I, I think there used to be a group and then, you know, maybe mm -hmm. things, things come and go. Um, but in this time when we're, we're all for the most part stuck at home and it's a great way to connect. We've got, we have everything from, I mean, I've been off of treatment for more than 20 years. We have, you know, so for me to like someone who's in treatment right now and everything in between a um, variety of ages and experiences. And it's just a great group. We also have some people who um, lost loved ones um, or were caregivers. And that's, you know, that's helpful to have that perspective too. It's a very inclusive group. Yeah. I, I feel like I, ACV keeps me very busy. You know, I work full-time outside of ACB and then uh, most of my evenings are are spent <laughs> with ACB and, and, and affiliates, which is just great. I, I love the connection. Um, I, I, it's just an, it's another family to me. And it's, um, especially in this time, I think we're finding the opportunities to collaborate more unique and even more powerful. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it amazes me when I look at the lists that Cindy sends out all the oh, different, yeah. I mean, there are yes. 12 steps and there are, there are so yeah. many different support and, you know, so much mm -hmm. fun stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing what's blossomed out of this, out of this time, you know, it's, yes. it's definitely a lemonade from yes. lemons situation. Absolutely. At least and, and kudos, and kudos to Cindy. I mean, she really has done a lot to put that together and and yes. you know what we're what we're finding and hearing is that 
you know, we're reaching, we're reaching more people than we could have ever imagined. And it's, it's really grown into something that started out as, you know, hey, let's connect. And now it's like, oh, this isn't going to go away, is it? And so people are really, are really getting that connectivity and really, really becoming part of the community. And so it, it really is great. I know there have been some, some ACB members and friends join us from those calls and things. And so um, just hats off to everyone who makes them happen and makes them possible. And yes. um, it's a really, yeah. really great resource. Mm-hmm. And I'll throw a little plug in here. ACB Radio has shifted yes. the streams and um, yes. community community calls will be, you know, an ongoing live stream. Well, not a, you know, yes. an ongoing stream of community calls where you can, you know, access and hear what went on on a call that you may not have been able to join and get a new perspective in so many different areas. I hope the cancer support. Um, I know it's a very personal thing, but I hope you guys maybe plan something that you can stream out. So that people out there who may be afraid to join or, you know, can get an idea of what that's about. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right now, you know, our, our group calls, we won't make, um, we won't make stream just because of the personal nature. But yeah, if right. we have information to share or maybe to highlight someone's story or something like that, mm-hmm. I definitely think that that's a great opportunity. So I want to ask one more hard question before we get into a little bit of fun. Um, the show is Girl Power, and I'm kind of curious, I've always been curious about the dynamics between different groups and the way perceptions are. Have you felt that as a woman having vision issues and, and dealing with, you know, living life under both of those umbrellas, do you think it's harder for a girl than it is for a boy? Um, I would say, um, not, I mean, not in ACB, obviously, I, I don't think so. Right. Um, but no. yeah, in, in the world, absolutely. You know, I think anytime that you're in a group that is seen as inferior um, to even, even maybe not even to the majority of people, but to a large group of people, um, that that's gonna, that's gonna absolutely set you back. And I think, I think disability, unfortunately, in our society is seen as inferior. I think being a female, it's, it's getting better. I mean, there's definitely, uh, some progress, but I, I think whenever you sort of add those things that people um, maybe are a little uncomfortable with in, in leadership, especially in sort of executive um, mm-hmm. or, or even in careers that are more traditionally, uh, you know, run by men. I think I know I've definitely mm-hmm. seen that in, in the legal community and in sort of executive circles. I'd be curious about your experiences, Katie. Sure. So I, I, haven't seen too much in terms of, of the female perspective. I've actually had more issues. Um, I'm, I have, I use a guide dog. And so that, that too adds to the mix. And so, um, you know, you have the, uh, the issues with Lyft and Uber and, and dealing with that. And so, you know, and that just makes you feel horrible as a person, whether you're, you know, male or female or otherwise, but again, you know, I, my disability is out there. Like I can't, can't very well hide the fact that I can't see, especially when I have a handsome black lab by my side. Um, (laughs) So, (laughs) so, so yes, you know, I I do think it's, it's, it's there, but I also think that, you know, we, we have made, you know, great strides again, thanks to those who've who've come before us. Um, But I I think, you know, and I think, I think things are getting um, easier. I, I think, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about generations and I think people who are younger than than Sarah and I are really coming up with you know they have some 
um, in some ways, I think some, some more open minds, you know, I kind of see it in my, in my nieces and nephew that, you know, they're just like, okay, you know, Aunt Katie's blind or she, you know, we all do things differently and whatever. And so I think that, you know, there, there's hope and I, I think things are going to continue to improve. You know, we're, we're still going to have to, to work for it and, and put ourselves out there sometimes and, and take those risks and, and, you know, step out of our, our comfort zones and maybe make some other people uncomfortable too. But, <laughs> but at the end of the day, um, I, I do think, you know, women and people who, who may be of a, of other minority groups are, are making great progress. And I, I, I know we'll continue and carry it forward. Yeah. And I think that those of us who have struggled in those areas are really working hard to empower other people, mm-hmm. um, whether it's in the disability community or as, as females, sort of that sister power feeling. I know ACB has a lot of that. And, um, you know, I, I think whenever you feel marginalized um, to then empower other people who um, are, are like you in some way to really step up as well, I think, I think that's where the power is in empowering each other. Absolutely. I, I know you got you both said it in a different way. When I look at ACB, I don't see a glass ceiling for we all live under the glass ceiling of blind. And I know out in the world you guys live under the glass ceiling of, of being a female in certain areas. But in ACB, I don't really see it. We had a very strong president in Kim Charleston. We have two, I mean, yes. I can't highlight all of them, but California, Florida have great female presidents. ACB students and next gen have amazing mm-hmm. and dynamic you know, women at the, at the helm. So I I really wanted, really wanted to highlight on the show today that, you know, there is, there's definitely no glass ceiling here in ACB in any way, Mm -hmm. shape or form. So Mm -hmm. let's have a little bit of fun. Let's talk about the people behind the board seats. I'm going to (laughs) start with you, Sarah. I know that you ran literally from a different kind of virtual (laughs) meeting to this today. Tell us a little bit about what you were doing before this and uh, tell us a little about you personally. Oh, absolutely. So I, uh, I was having a virtual wedding dress appointment. So I, I was, go girl. <laughs> yeah, I was originally going to spend a whole weekend with my mom going to different uh, wedding boutiques around Wisconsin. We had a whole three day weekend planned of, you know, staying in hotels and going to all these different places. Um, but everyone's plans have been changing in this time. Uh, and so we, we kind of narrowed the search down to a couple local tiny boutiques that only allow three of us in the, the building at all times or, or these virtual appointments. So this, this Milwaukee boutique sent me four gowns that I had you know selected and I got to try them on and um, they got to you know talk about my likes and dislikes and hoping to pick a dress um, by sometime tomorrow because uh, that's my last mm-hmm. appointment. Uh, but yeah, a little bit about myself. So obviously um, I'm engaged uh, to a wonderful guy. His name is Sam. Um, he's a biomedical engineer. I am, uh, I work in government. I'm a licensed attorney. I primarily work in policy and administrative law for the state of Wisconsin. 
working in programs that help families in poverty get the parents back into the workforce, um, which is, is just really great. I'm, I'm very passionate about kids. My bachelor's was in special education. Um, so although not teaching, I'm, I'm really helping some of those same populations um, that I was serving in the school setting. Uh, I really like the systemic change sort of feel of, of my current work. I usually live in Madison, Wisconsin. I'm hanging out in Michigan in quarantine with my parents because um, I have some um, immune system issues. So got to be really, really safe. Um, but I, I love living in Madison. I've become quite the Wisconsin person. I mean, I love cheese curds. So, you know, that's, that's pretty great. Um, although I have not become a cheese head. I'm not a Packers fan yet. Uh, they're trying, <laughs> they're trying to convert me. I don't know if that'll ever happen. It probably <laughs> won't, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's a little bit about me. I'm very, I'm very social. I have lots of great friends, um, both near and far, um, and yeah, I, I live, eat and breathe ACB, I think, um, when I'm, <laughs> when I'm not at work or not with uh, my family or, mm-hmm. or close friends there. So I'm also very active in my church community. I think any opportunity you have to really be in community with other people, you just have such great opportunities to grow, even if that growing looks a little different these days, uh, that connection mm-hmm. is just just very oh I should also add I have a wonderful seeing eye dog uh I can't I can't not mention her uh her name is Renee she is this little little petite golden retriever uh who's seven but still looks like a puppy and uh it being in quarantine is much easier with a furry friend by your side oh absolutely absolutely. (laughs) yes you were you were one of the first people that i met in july back at the convention Uh awesome hangout night so yeah thank you everybody out there should know that sarah is extremely approachable very welcoming (laughs) and awesome (laughs) fun to hang out with katie how about you well i'm not doing anything as exciting as my 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 cool friend Sarah there. Um, <laughs> no wedding dresses for me. <laughs> um, no, not. Um, but no, um, I and congratulations, Sarah, as well um, you. on your engagement. It's very exciting. Um, but I, you know, I currently work for the um, an agency in Ohio called Opportunities for Ohioans with Disabilities, and that is our state vocational rehab rehabilitation system. So the agency helps people with disabilities find and maintain their employment. And so um, I work in our central office headquarters. So I help um, counselors. I don't directly work with people with disabilities too much, although if, you know, if they have questions, I I do sometimes um, connect them to counselors and resources. But I work on a lot of projects. Um, so right now, with the coronavirus, um, our state, our governor is having, you know, press conferences, and so I am helping transcribe those and putting them up on an FB newsline in Ohio for folks in the deafblind community, so that they can access the information. So um, that's kind of a new project I've taken on during the coronavirus for work. Um, outside of work, yes, I too am involved of course, as we've talked about a lot with, with ACB, but um, when I'm not doing that, I have um, an older brother and he has um, four children, he and his wife. And so you might hear some of them, they're outside the door <laughs> right now. Um, and so apologies if, if some of some of their um, 
noise is coming through, but um, they they are um, adorable. I'm actually we're having a family cookout today, so um, it's great to uh, to be with with family and and to to celebrate you know being with with those we care about. And so um, my family is is really important to me. It's um, you know keeps me keeps me busy, um, but I love love being an aunt and uh, love uh, being able to hang out with my with my family and spend time with them. And um, I also enjoy enjoy reading. Um, I've been really grateful um, during the during this time to have a lot of a lot of books, been able to catch up on some reading, and um, you know, reading for me has always been a really good escape um, to kind of deal with things. And so, I'm just grateful to to be able to do that as well. So. Nice. I had a technical glick there. We went in and out for yeah. a moment, but I'm glad yeah. everything is cool. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> so thank you for sharing some personal stuff about you guys. I um I like to play a little bit of games when I have guys when I have people on. So I'm gonna do a fast five if you guys are game up for it. Sure, tell us about sure. it. I don't think I know let's, what it is, but let's do it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out five questions. You guys answer you, each of you answer. Um first question, what have you learned about yourself in quarantine that you didn't know before? Sarah? Uh I I learned or at least learned more that I work really well under pressure. Um, policy work <laughs> in the state government is big right now. And, you know, I was putting in, I've been putting in way more hours than I usually do. And it's, it's been great to have just that quick, um, those quick timelines. I, I thrive in that environment. And I kind of knew that before, but I didn't really experience it at such a fast pace and such an emergency pace. Yeah. Katie? I think for me, I've learned how much I really do love working from home. Um, <laughs> um, just for me, um, you know, it's it's nice to be able to do that. I'm I'm blessed to have my job um, first and foremost, um, but I'm also you know just really grateful that I can be home, not have to worry about you know taking Lyft and Uber and transportation. Mm. Um, but I'm still you know because of work and, and ACB, I'm I'm still connected with people every day, which is good. Um, but but I've also learned. To, to you know learned more to just kind of feel my be be more in touch with with my emotions and so there have been some times when I've just kind of taken a few moments and shed some tears and you know maybe there's a reason maybe not but just just saying you know what it's okay like I just need to cry for a minute and it's all right to do that and it's you know then we just pick up and, and move on but you know just just kind of being aware of of kind of myself and what what I need to do during this time to uh to say well my my well-being can stay intact all right well for number two I'm going to throw out the old superpower question if you could have one superpower what would it be and why Katie go ahead oh gosh um <laughs> I guess I wish um I've never, I'm not, I'm not really good at the, <laughs> these fast five. I'm not very fast on my, <laughs> on my feet. Um, no, I guess, I guess I wish um, that I could like go and, and hang out in the, in the, like in the sky and the stars or space. I'm always, I'm always like fascinated with, with space and, and, you know, exploring the, the planets and things. And so I think, 
you know, part of it for me is like, because I've, I've been blind all my life and, and never really seen, I, I'm fascinated by stars and, and the moon and all of that. So I guess I wish I could kind of like go, go up and, you know, fly around another galaxy or something. I don't know. <laughs> Sarah. Yeah, that sounds fun. Um, yeah, I think I wish I could like teleport myself into different places because I have so many friends that are so far apart. Um, my older brother and I are really close, but he's all the way in Seattle. I would love to just be able to boom, be there, right? Don't have to spend a whole day traveling. I enjoy traveling, but it, it takes out of work or, or it's expensive. I just wish I could just just go. Um, in, in right. places that'd be pretty sweet yeah <laughs> yeah for so much chocolate for so much popcorn for so much sunflower seeds what is your guilty snacking pleasure sarah oh man uh i have a lot of those i try i like <laughs> the, the the key to avoiding them is not to buy them um right same <laughs> i think i would say barbecue chips i don't know if they're in the house mm. i will eat them by the bag like I cannot buy them I just don't yeah <laughs> seriously yeah so mine is totally ice cream if there's ice cream anywhere it will not last <laughs> and it will disappear right. in, in, in rather rapid uh yes so <laughs> ice cream it is so now we know how to get your attention if we have an item yeah. that we can take care of. Yeah. And a nice old big old Dove Bar ice cream thing. Right. right. Yes. Question number four. Who in ACB inspires you? Oh, goodness. Katie? There are so many. I really do uh, <laughs> to pick anyone and... and uh, you know, make someone, but, but in all seriousness, I mean, you know, we, we have had, um, just, just really great people. I mean, you know, here in Ohio, we have, um, Vicki Prayan is our executive director. She, she followed in my footsteps and she's just a tremendous, um, woman who I've learned a lot from in and outside of ACB. Um, she's, you know, she's someone who, um, is, is, you know, someone I consider a, a true friend and, and um, she's just been a, a really great source of, of counsel and support and, and really giving me her listening ear. Um, so she's been been someone that I've really kind of um, leaned on with, with different ACB things. Um, but, but really there are so many people um, mm -hmm. that, that I, I hate to just name, you know, one single person, but I, I've learned a lot, so much from, from everyone that I've met within ACB. Yeah, I too. Um, yeah, I, I could go on and on and on about people, but um, the name honestly that comes to mind, she's no longer with us. But for me, Brenda Dillon was um, such mm -hmm. an inspiration to me. Um, she's yeah. the reason why I ran to be on the board in the first place. Uh, and and she she talked Dan Spoon and me into running uh, at the you know at the same time <laughs> back in 2012. I mean, I and then and then she left us you know before we. Um, you know, got to really be on the board with her, which, you know, it, mm -hmm. which stings, I think every time, but it, you know, she, she was able to leave her legacy by the people that she encouraged in her spirit. And it's yes, still, absolutely. it still is so deep in our organization. And um, I know yes. Dan and I, and other people that she inspired, we just, we just want to carry that on in part for her because she loved all mm -hmm. people um, equally. Yes. She had no 
she had just she just loved everyone and and wanted to see everyone succeed that's what I tried to do as well so we'll sidebar before we do question number five tell everybody what happens with the walk and how to get involved and and why they should get involved beyond honoring Brenda Mm. Yeah, so the walk, um, I can start, it's it's just a great way to, you know, A, not only like get out there and, and you know, you you can literally walk this year, it's going to be a virtual walk, but um, of course, you know, you're welcome to, uh, it's always good to get out and, and exercise, um, but really the walk um, allows you to, it's, it's a way to help ACB, and also if you choose, um, you can have the proceeds go to a special interest affiliate or state affiliate of your choice. And so it's really about, you know, getting out and giving back. Right. And so um, it's, it's, you know, named after Brenda who, you know, Sarah uh, um, talked a lot about her and she, she truly was an amazing woman. Um, And, you know, it's, it's just a, a really great way to connect with others within ACB and, and help, help ACB raise, raise the funds so that we can continue to do, to do the great work that we are doing as an organization. And um, you can find out more about the walk um, on the ACB website. I know there are some articles in the, in the forum as well about the walk. I would just add that, um, you know, at my first convention, I hadn't met anyone. Um, you know, I, I got in, I got in my hotel room. I had never traveled on my own. I was 18. I flew on my own. I got my own room, whatever. And uh, the first person I met in ACB was Brenda. And because uh, I met the team to go to the walk. And in Orlando that year, it was actually part of a f- big 5K that they were already doing at Orlando. It was the, the first year. And uh, she was just so impressed that this young kid was coming up to do it. But I, I loved 5Ks. And I said, please, let's do it. You know, and um, her passion for that was just huge. And it has grown into such a, a unique ACB event over over the past, what, 11 years or so. And uh, mm-hmm. it's just, it, it's so great. And it's really, yeah, a great fundraiser for your affiliate as well as for ACB. And it, and it helps us, you know, keep keep our bodies healthy, which, you know, is, is really important in all communities. So um, I hope, I hope everyone will participate, especially since it's virtual this year. You don't have to compete priorities as much as you do at the convention. Right. All right. So the last fun question, and I'm going to throw a little mm-hmm. twist into it. You are the editor for the ACB yearbook, <laughs> but not writing your own blurb under your picture. Sarah, can you write a blurb for Katie? Oh, oh my goodness. I would say, wow, this is hard to think on the spot. Um, I would say Katie is the, uh, the voice of wisdom within our younger generation in ACB. She puts her entire heart into her service and um, takes every opportunity to help grow and encourage um, others within the organization. That's beautiful. Katie, your turn. Wow. <laughs> That's, um, thank you, Sarah. Um, I think I would say um, Sarah is a, is a person who's always, you know, smiling and, and sunny and just, um, you know, we, um, 
Sarah is someone who is, is passionate and compassionate and is, you know, always, always there to listen and to, to lend a helping hand thing to help you. make ACB better. Yeah. Wow. Bonus question. Are you ladies into <laughs> trivia? <laughs> I'm not yes. good at trivia, but I like it. <laughs> the same. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel bad when I play because it's like I really don't know. And I bring much, the team but... down for sure, but it's <laughs> fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's my turn to throw a plug out there. Next gen ACB students and BPI is running a trivia night this coming Saturday. Teams of five to six. If you do not have a team of five to six, we can randomly assign you two teams um and acp radio has said they're going to stream it as well so trivia night on saturday can we get scenes from you girls i'll see what i can do i would like to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your thoughts your stories and do you guys have any final words on girl power in acb well, I just want to say um, thank you, Anthony, for inviting me and us. Um, it's it's great to 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 be here and, and chat with Sarah, who again is a, is a friend on the board and off the board. Um, we we discovered early on that we are um, we have similar tastes or dislikes when it comes to food, <laughs> and so that kind of bonded us pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, so, but no, it's, it's really great. Um, and again, just if there's anyone out there who's thinking, well, you know, how do I, you know, do I want to get involved or something? I would just say again, you know, please, please reach out. Um, we, we want, we, there's, there's space for you here in ACB and we want you to come to the table and be a part. So um, we welcome everyone. Yeah. And I just want to thank you too, for having us on here, especially together, you know, we're such good friends. So it's, it's fun to do this together. But uh, yeah, I, I would just encourage people get involved to whatever level you're comfortable. And, uh, you know, if, if you're nervous about it, take a friend with you. I can say that, you know, Katie and, and other just amazing friends in the organization have certainly um, supported me and I've supported them um, through the leadership journey. Nobody leads alone. We all lead um, by being empowered together and by empowering other people. So um, just jump right in, give it a try and, and lean on your supports. We're, we're all here to help you succeed. Well, thank you, Katie. Thank you, Sarah. Have an amazing Memorial Day weekend. I hope you pick a phenomenally fabulous dress. You got to put some pictures <laughs> up on Facebook once once you have gotten married, because I know you yes. don't want to show the dress beforehand. <laughs> Katie, have a great time at the barbecue. Ladies, thank you so much. I hope you'll come back to the show soon and uh, share some more perspective. Looking forward to it. Thank you, Anthony. You're welcome. Thank you. I will be right back after these few messages. Hey guys, what are you doing? Shh, we're practicing for trivia night. Trivia night? Yeah, next Saturday, May 30th at 8 p.m. Eastern, BPI, ACB students, and NextGen will be hosting our first trivia night. Can anybody join? Well, they're looking for teams of five or six, but singles can join and they'll be put on a team randomly all you have to do is go to our events page or email us at membership at blindlgbtpride.org see you there do you 
remember BPI? Oh yeah, Blind LGBT Pride International. They're a special interest affiliate of ACB. Yes, they are the ones doing all these cool things at convention. Guess what they're up to now? Do tell. Their own show. It's called Pride Connection. That's great, but what if I'm not a part of the LGBT community? This is a show for everyone. Actually, non-LGBT and non-disabled folks are known as allies, and they are a huge portion of BPI's membership. Everyone is welcome. So what kinds of topics can I expect from Pride Connection? Fun and relevant topics for everyone, from blindness to LGBT education, technology to advocacy. So when will Pride Connection take place? Every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to tune in so we can all connect and learn while having fun. Pride Connection on On ACB ACB Radio Radio Mainstream. And I am back. And after that lovely promo, I will get let you guys know that this coming Tuesday on Pride Connection, we have an amazing conversation working blind in the sighted world with some phenomenal panelists. Please check that out Tuesday at 10. I'm now going into the spotlight with someone that we all know, some great, great leadership skills, a wonderfully welcoming, wonderful personality in the spotlight. Welcome, Debbie Grubb. So before we get to know Debbie the lady, um, tell us about your ACB journey. Well, I just want to say to begin with that I'm a bit older than Sarah and Katie, and I have you don't liked sound them. It. Well, you're so sweet. <laughs> I have liked and respected them from the moment that I met them. And Claire Stanley, too. And I want to say that I guess God provided me a little moment of privilege because when I was very young, you know how when you hear something and it gets into your DNA? And I remember being very young and hearing Martin Luther King's speech in which he said that everyone should be judged by the content of their character and not the color of their skin. And that content of their character just opened so many doors for me where I could see people for who and what they are. And it didn't matter to me is if they were good people, if, if they were welcoming and open and kind, I didn't care what their culture was or what their sexual orientation was. And I consider that a great privilege that I heard that at that time when it could become so completely embedded in the DNA of who I am. And the other thing that really helped me when I was, I love American history, I love all history, but one of the things I read about President Kennedy was he was not afraid to put people in charge who knew a lot about whatever it was he was was putting them in charge of than he ever did or could. And he wasn't intimidated by people who were smarter than he. And that seemed like a really good idea to me. So I'm going to move now into my forays into ACB, but I wanted to say that because I think my greatest contribution to the limited amount of work I've been able to do in ACB is that because I have no ego in this area, because I just love people who are smarter than me and know so much more than I do, that in the various work that I have done, I have been able to bring in people who could really help us in significant ways. Um, I actually want to say that before I got into ACB, um, I was kind of one of those people who kind of felt 
I can take care of myself and so should everybody else. And so I was really not involved in disability work at all. And then I was invited because my husband was too busy to be on the Maryland Advisory Council for People with Disabilities. And my first foray into the world of inequality and unkindness and danger was with my friends in chairs who happened to be um, on a lower level economically. And when I saw that some of them were being treated in a way that if my pet dachshund, if I had treated her that way, animal control would have come and taken her away, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't be silent anymore. So I began in that arena, and then that led me to my the Maryland affiliate in ACB. And when Braille bills were still being passed, before IDEA came and kind of took all that under the big national umbrella, we um, my first thing was to work on a Braille bill in the state of Maryland, which we got passed. And then um, one of the I started getting involved in ACB because I again. I knew what I didn't know. And so I wasn't afraid to pick up the phone and call. And at that time, Paul Schrader was working as um, the governmental affairs advocacy person at ACB. And I asked all kinds of questions. I mean, you've got to understand, I didn't even know the four titles of the ADA. And so, and then another group, just because I heard so much about them, was the California Council Blind. And at that time, they had an 800 number. And I just called them up. Do you know they sent me copies of the resolution so I could study how to write a resolution? I wrote, I rewrote our very first Maryland constitution in a very long time. And I used their, the California Council's constitution at that time, the parts of, the, of it that could be used by us as a model. And I just started asking people. And then because I asked people, I started getting asked, and I, I want to share here a little secret. Um, if you are in a group, and it doesn't necessarily just have to be a blindness group, and you would like to be a voice to be reckoned with, volunteer to take meeting minutes, because nobody wants to do that. And, <laughs> and at that time, I had my trusty little Braille speak, and we'd be at these meetings. Who wants to take minutes? And there was a dead silence, and I thought, I will. Suddenly... I got on the major committees. I got to help set policy, set the agenda. And I began to do those things. And then I got involved in ACB. I was involved very heavily in GDUI and I served as its president for a time, two terms. And I was on the, um, I chaired the environmental access committee. I had been asked to serve to kind of help out at that time, a wonderful person, Tony, that you should have known, Patricia Beatty, who was a real expert in all things environmental access. And she was becoming ill at that time. And so it was, I'm pretty good at keeping balls in the air and things organized and writing meeting summaries. And so when she began to be unable to do this, I was tasked with chairing it. And instead of running away and screaming, I met these two, I had a lot of help, but two people who were tremendously helpful to me were Chris Bell, who now lives in North Carolina, and a wonderful gentleman named Gene Lozano, who is a member of the um, California Council of the Blind, and so many other people who know so much more than I did. And so we put together, we began to write 
different editions of the pedestrian safety handbook. I mean, we did all kinds of things. And um, I just started, the more I did, the more I got asked to do. Um, so I was involved in that. I helped with, um, which is now out of date, but at the time I think it was extremely important, um, a voter's handbook. And I worked with Paul Edwards and Brian Charlson and many other great people. And so I guess what I would say as I talk about my journey, and I've been president of several state affiliates, and um, it's been a wonderful journey, but because I have this privilege of not being worried about is somebody going to show me up? Is somebody going to be brighter than me? Are they going to, you know, I love being around these people and I love giving them credit where credit is due. And I think my, my greatest contribution is that I am very organized. I try to make people feel appreciated and welcome. And I always am, I always, I don't believe in having a meeting that doesn't have an outcome. What do we do from here? In fact, when I took over as president of GDY after Janine Stanley, she gave all of us in GDY as she was leaving a little present. And mine was a little mug that said, okay, what's next? So, so I, I guess I got involved with ACB. It really wasn't planned, but I just care so much and I love people. And I love being around smart people and I love hearing what they have to say. Right now, another smart person in my life, I chair the ACB um, Special Education Committee and Lori Scharf and, and people like that. It's just been, and so many, and if I've forgotten you, I love you, don't be hurt. Um, but I don't consider myself a mover and a shaker in ACB. I consider myself a facilitator and I have a lot of passion and I just, I care so much. And so that's, that's kind of who I am and, and where I see myself in ACB. That's, that's beautiful. Um, highlighting first, you've got, you're hitting on my dream list of, of people that are going to be on this program. Hopefully they all say yes. Um, but you also added a couple of names that I haven't known yet that I'll be investigating and researching. So thank you for that. You're um, welcome. <laughs> my first real interaction with you was at leadership this year. And um, yeah. you were, you chair Florida's leadership uh, delegation. You were so kind enough to allow me to participate, even though I had just moved to the state. So thank you for that. I definitely, I learned so much. And our yeah. delegation, <laughs> our delegation had so much success. Um, and, and a lot of that is on your, on your shoulder, on your shoulders. You did a dynamic job of rallying us all and giving us point by point things to to look for to speak about i mean it was it was laid out really well for us and that Thank in you. turn made it very effective when we you know when we walked into those offices tell me a little bit about your involvement with leadership and advocacy and and what and why and how well i guess what i'd like to say is that my involvement uh, one of the one of the things i am the most proud of is that I was president of GDY when we went to the Department of Justice and I got to speak um, to the attorneys there as president of GDY 
and as a member of a coalition that we were instrumental in starting called the Coalition of Assistance Dog Organizations, CADO. And we, it took a lot of work. You know, these things don't happen overnight and they don't happen because of one person. But um, Janine Stanley, who, who was my predecessor as president, was so helpful and we worked together and then we reached out to, um, to the um, International Association of Assistance Dogs Partners, to um, Assistance Dog International, which is an advocacy kind of a group like GDY is for all kinds of service animals. And we even reached out to and were successful in bringing into our Cato fold, the Council of United States Guide Dog Schools. And so we went and I guess what I'd like to say, we had a conference that GDY, the first one that we funded, it was in Columbus, Ohio, because that was an affordable place for us to go. And it just took on a life of its own. And I guess what I would like to say is that one of the things I learned from this experience, we are not all alike. And we can't, we can't just automatically dismiss and dislike and deem as not important and not worth listening to people who view things differently than us. Of course, there are things that we go to the wall on. If somebody attacked a person because of race or sexual orientation or disability or did a cruel, unkind thing or injustice, those things we go to the wall on. But, you know, we we in the guide dog world, you got to remember this was back in early 2000s. We were afraid that with the onslaught of all of these other service animals who maybe weren't trained as well, we were scared. We were worried yeah. about our own access rights and fear makes us sometimes be not as inclusive as we should be. And what I would say we did was we invited these people. We were inclusive. We met people for whom their psychiatric assistance dogs certainly did, were task trained to do something to mitigate a result of their disability. The same with hearing dogs and, and dog mobility assistance dogs and all of those kinds of things. And I think it opened my eyes and it opened our eyes. And the day that we went to DC for the first time and spoke before the Department of Justice, we really were unified. This group, we had come together for a purpose and we all were, were speaking with this, with this voice and there were people of all disabilities and, and it was just, it was a beautiful thing. And sometimes, I, I must say, and so that was a wonderful experience. And when we got, when in Maryland, we got the first Braille bill passed and I felt like celebrating. And when we got the last um, uh, handbook for, um, for intersection access out on the website, and I've had some beautiful experiences in, in my time here at ACB, which I hope is far from over. But I gotta say, they happened because we were able to be true to what is core to us, but we learned how to build the bridge of consensus. How can we meet your core need and mine, but maybe have to share a little bit on some of the ancillary stuff? And I think the thing that worries me a little bit today in the world and 
in, in, in its essence and in, in the way we accept one another. Not everybody in either political party is an angel from above and not everybody in the, each political party is the, the devil incarnate. And I remember one year um, I'd been asked to speak at the um, ACB legislation, legislative seminar at convention. And I remember saying to people, we have the right to support whatever party and whomever we want. And we have the right to work for their campaign, to try to convince our friends to vote for them. But once the elections are over, We've got to stop being so filled with blame and dislike and do our part. Uh -huh. And maybe the bridge won't be totally built. Maybe there will be some times when we have to be frustrated. But if we do our part, and I always say to people, when you're advocating for something, you can always get mad. You can always litigate. But if you start first holding out a hand of how can we work together on this and and realizing the, that it is sometimes much more important to listen than, than to be heard. And I got to say, uh -huh. that is something I say to myself every day, speak like you're asking me to speak for a specific person purpose, but if, but it's not about me or, or you, Anthony, or any of us, it's about doing our part to contribute, but also listening and learning. And I have found that if we listen to people of goodwill, and I'm talking goodwill, not arrogant, mean-spirited people, but if we right. can come to the table with people of goodwill who maybe differ from us politically in certain views, maybe what we can do is learn from each other. And if we listen to each other and we are truly heard by each other, maybe we can find a compromise that works out well for everyone. So I guess I feel my key to privilege is that that is something I have done all of my life and, and will never stop doing because of the times when I read about JFK and heard Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. It just opened, a, I don't know, it's like something opened up in my heart and my mind. And I just wish that I could convey that. You know, you asked um, the the ladies at, at their la at your last session here, Katie and Sarah, um, what superpower would they like to have? And I would like to have the superpower of helping people communicate, of knowing where people were coming from, of trying to allay fears, preconceived notions, you know, prejudice and cut to the chase and get to the real meat of the thing. And I think so many of us, not in all cases, but we would find so much more that we have in common. And, and sometimes it breaks my heart because we are so interested in just saying, well, I'm going to listen to this person because they agree with me. Well, sometimes it's nice to, unless it's cruel or unjust, it is nice to listen to somebody that has goodwill. The ultimate opinion. You know, yeah. to, to learn from, you know? Yeah. So I guess I guess my ACB journey has been that of a facilitator, making things happen through by bringing smart, capable, caring people to the table. And when I say I'm proud of some of the stuff I've done, I'm even more proud of the people who helped that happen under my leadership. And, and I really mean that from the heart. It, it definitely comes through. You know, you spoke about your dad in the Florida Council of the Blind. 
convention. And my dad, he just made me think of my dad had a lot of mottos to live by that he imparted on me and my sister. And my dad was very, very firm on whenever we were having conversation, especially if it was an argumentative conversation, that the minute he start, stopped speaking, I started speaking, that there was no way that I heard and listened to everything he said. And the first couple of times that he said that, I, I you know, I'm his child. And there's, you know, always some sort of animosity between, you know, parents and children when you're in those types of conversations. So the first couple sure. of times that he said that, I blew it off. Like, you know, well, yeah, of course he's going to say that because he doesn't want to hear what I have to say. Um, but then when I realized that he was taking pause, giving himself a moment to think about what I just said, I went, wow, okay. Yeah. That's a really key piece of advice to live by. That and so beautiful. I am. Beautiful. What was your dad's best piece of advice to you? My dad's best piece of advice to me actually came in his actions toward me. My mom was very caring, but she was a warrior. And she was afraid that something was always going to happen to me. And you know what, Anthony? I didn't know till I was a grown-up person that my dad was just as scared and just as worried as my mom. But whatever it was I needed to do, my dad taught me a way to do it. Whether it was how to cross the street. I remember I had a little trouble learning how to tell north, south, east, and west. And he would figure out these ways. And so what, what I learned from my dad is when you're helping somebody, give them as a result of that help a little gentle push to take first steps to doing, to, to doing something important. If we make people realize you can do this, you can do this. You know, sometimes we give people money or we help them, but we make it real easy for them to lie in their beds of victimhood. And there are victims and people that are treated terribly and they need our love and our help and our compassion and our support. But sometimes there are people that if you tell, if you make them know that they can do something, that you 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 know they can, and you expect something to them, it is more important than any amount of dollars. And that's what my dad did. I always felt that there was nothing I couldn't do. And when he was alive and I was younger and taking those first steps out in the world on my own, I always knew that if I got into trouble. I could call him and he would come and take care of me. But I never had to do that. But that knowledge and he just, just the way he acted, he was soft spoken. He wanted me to be a good person. And I'll tell you, I'm kind of um, strong willed. I guess you figured that out. But um, <laughs> the only person that I ever cried uh, when I thought I disappointed him was my dad and later on my husband. I never wanted to disappoint those people because I respected them so much. And I wanted to live up to their faith in me to do and to be. And I think that if we can give that to more people, yes, give them the help they need right now to get them out of whatever fire they're in. Absolutely. But if we could let people see you 
can do something too. There is something that you can contribute. There is something that you can be. And even if it's a small thing at first, like somebody in your meeting would, you know, sometimes Mrs. Johnson forgets our meetings. Would you call her every on a such and such a date and remind her that we're going to be meeting? It doesn't have to be a big thing, but if you give somebody a responsibility and say, I know you can do this, it gives them better self-esteem, higher self-confidence. And I think that my dad's actions to me were really, it made me a lot of who I am. And I'm, I'm pretty adventurous. I don't think there's anything I can't do. And I came to that because he helped me when I couldn't do it by myself. He gave me the tools I need to do it by myself. And I would love to do that for others. I'm, I'm a big, uh, a big component pro proponent of helping parents of a blind or low vision child understand that they've got to let their child out into the world. They, they have got to give their child the tools to be able to do it themselves, that the more that they shelter, the worse it's going to be at some point when their child has to be in the world. You want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, what I know is that if you don't, the longer you wait, the harder it gets. And my first, ex first real experience, I went to the Maryland School for the Blind in my junior and senior years. They had a program then where kids who were college bound and had a certain grade point average could go to public school. But you had to know how to get to the bus stop and how, in other words, you had to have the tools you needed to get to and from school independently. We lived at the school for the blind. Our readers came there, but we were out on our own to get there and back. And I, I just remember, I will never forget it. Walking down that, those streets and, you know, and of course, I mean, hearing people and being out in the world and knowing I've got a place to go and getting on that bus and getting off. And we had to cross some pretty busy streets and making friends with sighted kids. And it was, and my parents, I think, were a little worried about it because I would have been quote, much safer quote, remaining at the residential school. But then hmm. that all that would have done, but done would have been to have kicked the can down the road. What would I have done for college? And then when I graduated from high school, the summer before I went to college, we were given the opportunity to fly to Chicago. The Chicago Lighthouse had an eight-week program for blind, blind, young blind people to prepare for college. And we stayed at the University of Illinois dorm. And this was the first time I was ever really on my own. I mean, you know, because they, <laughs> they said, this is college. You have to uh -huh. get yourself up. You have to get yourself ready. You have to get yourself there. And they showed us the way to the lighthouse and the dorm and some things like that. But I mean... And I, I, my parents, when my sister said, when they left me at the airport in Baltimore to fly out to Chicago, my sister said, my mom and dad were so scared and so upset. I didn't think we were going to make it back home because they had about a three hour drive to go back home to, to the little town where I lived, but they let me do it. And it, you know, I guess what parents have to understand is yes, it's hard. And it doesn't mean you're not going to worry. But if you do what you can to make sure that your child has the tools that they need, and if you can't do it, if you allow others to do that for them, 
the gift you give them will be amazing because I just, I never looked back. I mean, I, and I know that that was so difficult. So I guess what I'd say is you got to make sure your kids get the tools they need and that it's okay, that they're going to be okay. But, oh my gosh, the benefits and the younger, the, the better, you know, within reason, obviously. And I just know in my own personal life, the adventures that I had as a young person, the things that my, my dad, I don't think my mom would have allowed me if he had not said, yeah, we're going to do it. Um, I, they have served me my whole life. And so, you know, if any parents are listening and you're worried and afraid, or if you have an opportunity to talk to Tony, to Anthony or to anyone, my gosh, give your child as much independence as he or she can handle because it is a gift that will never stop giving their whole giving. life. Absolutely. So before we have a little fun, I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked in the last segment about the glass ceiling um, and about being blind, being a woman, being a girl power, having girl power. Do you still feel the glass ceiling? Where are we at right now? You know, I, I don't know. Um, I've never felt much of a glass ceiling. Maybe, um, I don't know. I mean, from the, from the time I, I guess from the time I, let me see, how can I say this? I guess from the time I began to want to go to college, to want to teach in a sighted, in a sighted high school for my student teaching, I guess I just went and I prepared. I, I guess I just worked very hard. And so what I'd say is, there is a glass ceiling and there still is, but if we work hard enough and we are prepared and we realize that with rights come responsibilities. responsibilities. And yep. so I think that the glass ceiling is among us. It is rising and rising, rising higher, higher, higher into the stratosphere. Thank the Lord above. But I think whenever we face it, we have to we have to be the people that are prepared we have to we have to say we have to come prepared and poised and when people can't do that because of their personality thank god there are advocates and people who can help out but yeah there's a glass ceiling but i guess in my life it at times it was annoying but I, it was just another adventure. It was just another mountain I was going to climb. And I was not going to be defined by some person's perception of me as a person with a disability. And I think perceptions and presumptions, we really have to let some of those go. And I think the other thing I would say is that lives, we need to picture doors open. The only doors we lock are against cruelty, injustice, unfairness. If we can't, if we can't um, meet with with people, if they're not willing, and and you know, it's all about that. But for the most part, we see our virtual home as this big, wide open space with open doors and open windows, and to let all sorts of opinions and ideas flow through, we will be the better for it. If we get mad and push people aside and hurt people who don't always agree with us, we, if they're people of goodwill, we have just lost some valuable opportunities. That's what I think. Well, what 
what I would like to say that I think is that you talked about bringing some dynamic people into the fold and, and nurturing and being nurtured yourself. Along the way, I would hope that at some point you do some leadership training exercises and teach other people how to nurture and how to find and bring in the fold and how to storytell, et cetera, et cetera. So now I want to have a little bit of fun and let, okay. let people know a little bit about Debbie, the lady. Um, if I know you're a fan of opera, if someone were to write the opera of Debbie, of Debbie Grubb, what would it be called? And give us a brief synopsis personally not professionally <laughs> <laughs> um it would probably be um be called never say die because i just don't give up with a subtitle um the the girl who never gave up and right. it would and it would it would be about um acceptance and conquering mountains that lead to um problems with acceptance because you know i always when when i'm when i'm talking to people about going to town hall meetings or going to the the home offices of their members of whatever state legislature they're in or whatever i say whose face and voice of a person who is blind and visually impaired are you going to be because if people know us know someone then they've got a starting point. Now, I get it. We're all so different. I love diversity. Long live diversity. But if they get to know someone, if they can put a personality and a voice and a face with it, then it's not, we're suddenly not them, those people out there who are just costing us money. We suddenly, somebody attaches a person to it, and then they are open to meeting other people who are diverse. And so I guess my opera would be about, you know, tearing down walls and, and climbing over mountains and boulders and bringing people to a celebration of diversity and yet all the things we have in common. Nice. Well, I've got a set of five for you too, Fast Five. I'm going to okay. start with what is your favorite opera? Um, my favorite opera is probably, well, sentimentally, I'll say this. My favorite opera sentimentally is Madama Butterfly because uh. it is um, about weakness. It is about tragedy. And yet it is about strength and, a, and, an, and an outcome of a child being taken into a home and, and loved and nurtured at the end. And, you know, we have to face all those realities in life. There is tragedy, yeah. there is weakness. And so sentimentally, um, that is, that is probably my favorite opera for that reason, because we see humanity at its worst. We see love in its passion. We see love you know, being thrown, cast aside. And yet we see at the end, people coming forward, the weak man and his strong wife, <laughs> and maybe he's yeah. going to get stronger as time goes by. And they take <laughs> it away. And it just is about reality, real life. And so I like that. But Absolutely. I love it anyway. 
So I know in COVID, you probably haven't really had that much free time with Florida Council and so on and so forth. But when you are not working, when you are not working on, what do you like to do in your spare time? Well, I love to read. I love to get out and about with my guide dog. I am really into the world of the arts. I love the theater. I love the symphony. Um, I love opera. And I miss all of those things. I, I miss being with my friends. I miss talking about the arts with my friends. And I just miss the joy. You know, we have all these Zoom things and thank God for them. And like everybody else has said, I hope they never go away. But yep. what I would, you know, but it's just so wonderful just to be in the same room with somebody mm -hmm. and, and breathe the same oxygen and just, you know, and I miss that a lot. Yeah. If someone were to make a meal start to finish for Debbie, what would you want to be on the menu? My goodness. Well, I don't know. Sky's the limit, Deb. <laughs> I know, but I've really changed my eating habits a lot. Well, I guess if it, if it could be absolutely anything, I think I would like a delicious, um, uh, like a seafood in a in a shell you know like like um a beautiful shell with crab and lobster and shrimp and scallops and then i would like some lovely little new potatoes mm. and i would like let's see i would love a nice salad with fruit and cheese and all that kind of stuff in it uh, and then for dessert um geez Maybe I wouldn't even want dessert after all that, but um, I would probably like a dish of real homemade um, frozen custard. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. What is the, the most funny story you have about one of your guide dogs? Well, let's see. Well, the most funny story I ever had. Well, maybe it, it was, it's funny now, but it wasn't at the time. So I'll tell it to you. I was coming back from an FCB board meeting and um, people that live in other parts of the country may not know, but here we have something called an Amtrak bus and it will take you to the nearest train station where your train is leaving from. So um, we, several of us were on this Amtrak bus. And it was time to um, get off at our stop in Bradenton. And we did. And I was in the front row and the bus had these kind of slanty steps. So I picked up my bag and I heeled my dog down and I held on to the rail. And then when I got down, I was getting an Uber. The bus driver was giving us our suitcases. This couple who didn't know what to do were in our faces. Could they share our Uber? And when the bus pulled away, and the Uber pulled up, I reached down and my guide dog's harness was gone. It was copper. He never had gotten out of his harness before, never has since. So I said, oh dear God, suppose they don't let me in the Uber. So they let me in the Uber and I called one of my friends, um, Mike Ulrich, who was still on the bus and he picked up the harness and I said, if you send it to me, I'll pay you whatever. He said he would. But anyway, so I get in the Uber and when I get back here, I realize that the, guy, the person has let me off at the wrong place. So I oh. smile. I say, I don't know. Is this a comedy of errors? So then I listen 
and I figure out where I am. And my guide dog, who really doesn't do leash guiding, or I hadn't done it with him before, I gave him a, the command to forward and tell him to go. And we got back here. And it was such a happy ending. And it did have its moments. But I don't know how I could have gotten off that bus and not realized he didn't have his harness on. I don't know. But it's a story that makes me smile. It makes me realize that we can do anything. These dogs are just anything we ask of them. And I thank God for my O&M, for things my father taught me, and especially my husband about O&M. And we made it. And, it, and I got my harness back and it was all good. But I, I thought, oh my gosh, what is the seeing I going to say <laughs> if I tell them I've lost my dog? <laughs> but, but it all worked out in the end. And Copper came through as he always does. And as all of our guide dogs do, if we just give them a chance. They absolutely do. So I will ask one that I've asked on previous shows. Once COVID is all over, where would you like to go? And what do you want to do? Anywhere <laughs> in the world, anything. Well, I had a trip to Ireland planned with one of my Ooh. best friends. And I hadn't ever thought, after my husband died, I just thought I wouldn't do anything like that anymore. And then I just decided one day that I was going to go, that life was too short, and he wouldn't want me not to go. And I was mentioning this at dinner, and one of my, my best girlfriends said, you know, I've been wanting to go, but I didn't want to go by myself. And I said, well, I was going to go by myself, but I'd rather go with you. And we had this trip all planned, everything paid for, things we were going to do. And so as soon as this COVID is over, I want to replan that and redo that because it has been my dream to spend time in England and Ireland. And I've never been to Europe in my life. And so that is one of the first things I'm going to do, re rebuild that and make that happen. Nice. Debbie, unfortunately, we had a little bit of technical difficulty, so the time has run out. Thank you so much for joining oh, me welcome. today. Thank, Thank you, you for, for all the work me. you put in for FCB, for ACB at large, and I hope you will come back as well somewhere along the line, and we'll continue some dynamic discussions about leadership and nurturing people. Thank you, Anthony, and thank you for doing the show and the impact it's having. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, after these few short messages, I will be back with another dynamic conversation with Lisa Kretschner. Hey guys, what are you doing? Shh, we're practicing for trivia night. Trivia night? Yeah, next Saturday, May 30th at 8 p.m. Eastern, BPI, ACB students, and NextGen will be hosting our first trivia night. Can anybody join? Well, they're looking for teams of five or six, but singles can join and they'll be put on a team randomly all you have to do is go to our events page or email us at membership at blindlgbtpride.org see you there sunday edition is underwritten by ira a description of life on your terms ira is a visual interpreting service provided by trained agents through a smartphone app available in the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Or call our customer care team at 1-800-835-1934. And we are back. 
In my happenings segment, I am talking with Lisa. Lisa, let me know if you are here yet. And while I'm here. I wait, all right, Lisa, thank Hello. you so much Hi. for joining. Hi, thank Hi, you Anthony. so much for joining me. I would like to Thanks ask you to introduce. <laughs> Absolutely, introduce yourself. Tell us about your work, and then we'll get into a little conversation. Okay, so I'm Lisa, and our company is Florida Vision Technology. We are based in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and uh, we're celebrating our 20th anniversary this year. Um, we specialize in assistive technology solutions for the visually impaired and blind, everything from bump dots to production braille embossers. Ooh, those are fun to play with, by the way. <laughs> tell me tell me about your journey into this work. How, how did you become the quote-unquote tech lady? I originally started in – my first job in Florida was working at a wholesale eyeglass lens manufacturing plant, and they specialized in – prismatic and microscopic spectacles for people with low vision. And we actually ground the lenses there and then we sold them wholesale to eye hospitals throughout the coast. Some of the places like Massachusetts Eye and Ear, uh, Emory Eye Institute, Baskin Palmer. Um, and then we also sold some of these lenses to the Veterans Administration. And within that organization, I opened up a retail outlet in Broward County in Southeast Florida. And I mean, we, we literally had a line out the door the day we opened because there, was, there weren't a lot of options for purchasing low vision aids at the time. There were a few doctors who specialized in low vision that could prescribe a magnifying glass even the doctors at the time didn't have a variety of products. So uh, that was that was kind of like my experience into the retail low vision part of, of the, the industry or, or, the, or the, the business side of it. And I worked at that company for about six years. And then I started my own. I saw that the need was so much greater for like a more like a concierge kind of service where we brought the service to people because of course transportation being the number one issue for people being, being able to get to one spot in Florida versus being able to reach them all over the state so that that's pretty much how I launched my company was fulfilling that need to be able to reach more people instead of them coming to us us being able to go to them and your company now services the state of Florida. Are you are also reaching out nationally? Nationally, we do reach. We, we have some of our products that we are able to sell globally. We have a website, our FloridaReading.com. We're on Amazon. We have another website with a lot of our non-optical products, um, yeah, like the low-tech type items. Uh, things like bump dots and um, adaptive type aids. Um, our traditional territory over the years for the manufacturers that we deal with is Florida and Puerto Rico for some of the high-tech items like 
accessible braille tablets and um, accessible low vision type products where the students can get on to an op you know through an operating system be able to access their distance learning which is huge right now with COVID-19. I wanted to ask you about distance learning. What products are, have become buzzworthy because of the transition in, in you know, physical learning to, to uh, online and virtual learning? So on the low vision side, a tablet type products, um, specifically the, from HumanWare, the Connect 12, an application called, called Prodigy, which was designed by the low vision for folks with low vision. Um, we have students from third grade to, I have an 83 year old gentleman who works at H&R Block who uses that product. Of course, he's not doing distance learning right now, but he might be because he has to have CEUs at H&R Block, right? Continuing education units. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then also, so that is an Android operating system. And then we have a product called MagnaLink Tab, which is Windows based. So um, a similar, it's, it's a tablet that's in a stand that gives uh, someone with low vision working distance to be able to place reading material, but also to be able to write underneath there, you know, fill out forms. Um, they, they have a suite of tools within the product that allows for uh, not only magnification and contrast, but also optical character recognition. So they can take the printed word, turn it into the spoken word. Um, you know, be able to mark up documents, save them, uh, send them as attachments to their, their, their teacher, the visually impaired, or, or collaborate with, with a, a coworker on a, on a project through Google Docs. Um, on the blindness side, products like the Braille Note Touch, Braille Note Touch Plus, and the Braille Sense Polaris are accessible Braille tablets. So you basically have all your, your uh, computing packaged with an, a, Braille, a refreshable Braille display and speech all in one in a very compact, easy to use solution. So those are the two product categories that are, are most popular for students distance learning and professionals working from home. So, you know, I focus these conversations on the listener who really doesn't know much or anything about whatever the subject that I'm highlighting on the show. Mm -hmm. How would someone, how does someone evaluate and know what products actually would be good for them? Know where to start to look for things. Um, where do you go to, to, to find out what products would enhance your life and your learning and your working, et cetera, et cetera? Wow, that's a good question because I feel like in the country there are pockets where there are really good resources and I know there mm -hmm. are other even larger pockets where those opportunities don't exist. So, you know, we have retail store where people can come in and try before they buy and when I started my company in 2000 the my the concept that I was trying to bring to the visually impaired was like Brookstone. I love that store in the mall where you could go in mm -hmm. and there was one of everything. And so did my kids. And I didn't feel bad about letting them like run around and try everything because there was one of everything out on the box. It was, it had batteries, it was plugged in and you could, 
you could compare side by side. And so when I first, when I opened the first retail store in 2003, that was exactly the concept that I had in mind. And that was even before we had things like Best Buy, right? I mean, we had one store in South Florida called Brandsmart, but it was, it was big, you know, like home appliances, refrigerators and washers and dryers. There really wasn't a place besides an office supply store that had something that you would, you know, use at, at home or school or work for somebody with a visual impairment. But if, if someone doesn't have that resource, we come to them. And again, we're in Florida and, and Puerto Rico. So for the rest of the country, I feel like people have become much more savvy consumers but you can only do so much research online before you want the opportunity to, you know, be able to try a product. So each state I know more or less has a different setup for how their services work for, for the blind. It could be through vocational rehabilitation. It could be through division of blind services, but I encourage people to, to do their research and, not just pick something because that's what your friend uses or that's because somebody, you you know, that's what somebody you know uses. So doing their research online is a good starting point if there aren't retail outlets for them to go to. Um, and then, you know, connecting with if, if you're low vision, like I've been a friend of and involved with the Council for Citizens with Low Vision for, for years and years. And that's, that's a great resource, um, connecting with members in the community, uh, you know, the Council for the Blind. And, and these are folks who, you know, have experience and connections. They've gone through this process themselves. And, and that's a, those, those are great resources. Um, also, perhaps the uh, community rehab program or lighthouses in the area. And the eye doctors, ophthalmologists, or optometrists that they've been referred to. Some of them specialize in technology resources. Yeah, ACB has some great resources. AFB has some great resources as well. Can you tell me, what do you think the future of low vision and blind vision products, where are we moving towards? Well, we're moving towards a more of a I wouldn't say an all-in-one solution, but more towards that because, you know, previously somebody who had a computer screen reader might need a, a second device that did text-to-speech that actually took a picture, you know, a, a flatbed scanner and a, and a software program. So they might have a screen reader and an OCR reader and a, and a, a flatbed scanner and, and you know, a, the physical computer. And um, now... A lot of those things, as we know, you can do from, from your phone, you know, voiceover and, and applications. So I think, and even on the low vision side, you have more of an all-in-one, and it maybe it sounds cliche to say like a Swiss Army knife type thing, but you have multiple tools in one device, whereas before, you know, you might have to have five or six different solutions, and now maybe you have to, you know, handle all those tasks. So on low vision side, also wearable devices. So having a magnification device that you could wear and have your hands free, that's, uh, that, that side of the market has really come up in the last two years on the low vision and the blindness side. So 
um, on the blindness side, we have a product like a lot of people have heard of OrCam. That is a very small device about the size of your index finger that can magnetize to a pair of glasses or you could wear around your neck and you can snap a picture of printed material anywhere and read on the go with a, a little rechargeable battery operated for someone with low vision, their glasses like iris vision or eSight, where they can actually have magnification hands-free for watching television, reading menus, reading signs on a wall, museum plaques. And so I think that's, you know, uh, portable, rechargeable, wearable devices that offer more than one solution uh, is the future. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your holiday weekend, and I know that you have some family visiting, so I'm going to let you get back to them. Thank you so much for coming. Tell the folks once again where to find your website and how to reach you. Sure. Our website is floridareading.com, and our toll-free number is 1-800-981-5119. All right. Have a great weekend. Thanks for coming on the program. I look forward to talking with you again soon. Thanks, Lisa. All right. Thanks, Anthony. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Well, this has been another amazing show. I would like to remind everybody, they heard the promos, that there's a trivia night on Saturday night with BPI, Next Gen, ACB students. All are welcome. Look for us on Facebook. There's an event page. Tuesday night, the Pride Connection show is working sighted, working blind in a sighted world. Um, I also would like to do another PSA again this week and remind everybody to please fill out your census. Go online or do your physical copy. Every number counts. I know accessible voting is a big, big issue for ACB and all of us. And part of being able to push that forward is making sure that you're counted in the census for all the services. We need every number. We need everybody counted. Thank you for joining me on Sunday edition with Anthony. I will be back next week at 1 p.m. with another dynamic show for you guys. I hope everybody enjoys their Memorial Day and I look forward to being with you again soon. Have a great weekend. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to Sunday Edition with Anthony on ACB Radio Mainstream. For more information, questions, comments, feedback, suggestions, etc., please email celebration AC. That's the word celebration with the letters AC at AOL.com. Look forward to hearing from you and let's brunch again next Sunday.